Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. I've never said this before at the top of an episode, but you're actually listening to part two of a two-part interview. Interview doesn't even really describe it, but an experience with Jimmy Webb, the singer-songwriter, pianist, composer, storyteller. You know him from songs like Wichita Lineman, By the Time I Get to Phoenix, MacArthur Park, Up, Up, and Away. He's also written two books, including a memoir called The Cake and the Rain. He has a new CD out called Slipcover, which is uh, actual piano covers of other composers' songs and one of his own also. So, as I say, we've never done a two-part show before, and you'll be able to find part one, if you haven't heard it already, will be linked to on the show page here. And, and the reason we did this, I think, was because this was a bigger adventure than we usually do. We went to Long Island. We had things happen. It was a big day. There were flat tires. There was two-hour interview with Jimmy playing and singing. And so we think that at the end of it all, we captured Jimmy Webb in a way that we haven't seen him captured before, even though there have been many interviews and depictions. So we hope you enjoy part two here as much as you enjoyed part one and as much as we enjoyed doing it. So I, I... always am intrigued by songwriters who also perform and also songwriters a lot of songwriters who perform their own work don't cover other people's work that much mm-hmm. there are some exceptions like Laura Nero who I know that you write about in the book and this bad moment she has at Monterey she does versions of Jimmy Mack and Gonna Take a Miracle that are yeah. as good as anybody else's And but I think that's an unusual thing right for a she song. was pure artist yeah I don't think she ever thought about, well, that's somebody else's song. It yeah. just came sort of spouting out of her, a fountain of creativity, if you will. My arms are you. My lips feel the same way too. I try so hard to be true. I promise I do. But this boy keeps coming around. He's trying to weigh my resistance down. Oh, Jimmy. Which is interesting because what a dramatic entrance she made on the on the on the world stage, and the world wasn't quite ready for Laura. But and she wasn't quite ready for the world in certain <laughs> ways. Yeah, too, I think. God bless her. You know, she she was an amazing. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to do something of hers. Yeah. I, uh, hopefully, I'm a, I'm going to be able to continue these albums, mm-hmm. even if it's ever so quietly. Just adding to this. Do you think um, you would, on some occasions, sing? This is all solo piano. If you did another one, would you be tempted no, to I sing? No, I wouldn't. They, they w- it would be instrumental. Yeah. My, yeah. Well, my next album is going to be vocal album mm-hmm. with real songs, like new Jimmy Webb songs. Oh. Imagine. I mean. Yeah. I'm ready. Can you figure? I'm but, ready. Uh, you know. I mean, one of the structurally interesting pop songs that you wrote early on is By the Time I Get to Phoenix, because lyrically, this song is describing somebody getting further and further away geographically, and you're going through stops in the day by the time I make Albuquerque. I don't think I've ever heard a song like that that is narrated as the... He never never really leaves her. He's still with her. Yeah. Now he sees her at work. Mm -hmm. She'll hear that empty phone that keeps on ringing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know. Yeah. You want to play a couple bars of that? You feel feel moved? (laughs) I have Jimmy Webb at my disposal. This is never going to happen again. I tell you, this is a good model on an ABC form that Mm -hmm. takes you through a story. Yeah. This is just three verses. Right. By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising. She'll find the note that I left Hanging on her door She'll laugh when she reads the part That says I'm leaving Cause I've left that girl many times too many times before yeah uh, by then the person listening to the song they've either mo- moved on to another station <laughs> or they're going to listen to yep. the song yeah do you remember did you consciously set out at the beginning to write a song that was structured in that no, odd was, way or did I, it just I was never manipulative I <laughs> but what I liked to do I liked to tell stories mm-hmm. and I liked oh Henry mm-hmm. believe yeah. it or not of, of all the people in the world that you would think well surely oh Henry didn't influence Jimmy Webb <laughs> gift of the magi <laughs> I liked the tricky endings yep it's like in that Gershwin tune where where they say, "But there's no knot for me." Mm-hmm. But there's no knot. Is that, is that right? Am I right? They're singing songs of, of love, love, but not but for not. Me. Yeah, for not me. for me. Yeah. And every lover's knot. Da 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 da. But there's no knot. For me. All right. Okay, that's. I buy it. So, can we talk about just quickly about bridges? So, bridges are interesting, and your bridges, I think, are interesting. Sometimes I think a bridge almost is there to surprise you. I'll give you an example from your own work. So, All I Know. So, All I Know starts pretty simply, right? Mm -hmm. It's a folk song, yeah. But then that bridge comes, and it really is melodically a. Big departure, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, 
Yeah, that's a tough one. That's yeah. higher than Glenn sings right. it. It's it's like it's really more like I bruise you, you bruise me. I love you, and it's all I know. When the singer's gone, that the song goes. You actually, you went for that Art Garfunkel note right there. When the singer's gone, let the song go on. It's a fine line between the darkness and the dawn. They say in the darkest night, there's a light beyond. Very simple, very but simple song, but it, is, it does have that. The bridge is when it stops getting simple, though, to me anyway. Yeah, like at the beginning, da 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 da. I think oh, I could write that song, and then the bridge comes, <laughs> and melodically, I think we're in a really different place there. Maybe you have a theory about it. Why is there a bridge? Why does a bridge exist? You know, because there are so many forms of poetry. We, mm-hmm. you know, we have we have sonatas that, mm-hmm. if you go into classical poetry, and there's all <laughs> all kinds of forms and songwriting sort of represents the whole uh, record phenomena of, of personal re- devices that would play music mm-hmm. sort of led to this offshoot of the great american songbook and mm-hmm. these songs yeah but you're not allotted you're not given rudyard kipling's range here mm-hmm. to tell the story of the charge of the light brigade right you're given two and a half minutes. In the old days, two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, we did some things that changed that around a little bit. MacArthur Park was 721. Mm-hmm. Hey Jude was then consequently 717. <laughs> uh, but the classicists mm-hmm. of songwriting realized that they only had about two minutes or mm-hmm. three minutes yeah. to tell a whole story. And that's why you had to have lines like, when your heart's on fire, mm-hmm. you must realize smoke gets in your eyes. That's right. that's O. Henry. Yeah. That's the hook ending. Yeah. That's really clever, and you weren't mm-hmm. expecting that. So the the form evolved, and it's if you want to talk about it, I, I, nobody ever really wants to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I'll talk about it. There's all kinds of different American songwriting forms. Mm-hmm. One of them is just two verses. This time we almost made the pieces fit, didn't we? This time we almost made some sense of it. 
sweet girl. Now I'm going to skip to the second verse. This time we almost made it. That's two verses. Would have been better if we had Connie Stevens in here doing uh, it. <laughs> By the time I get to Phoenix, mm-hmm. it's three verses. Right. That's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's not a true ballad. Mm-hmm. A true ballad is the same melody mm-hmm. and the same rhythm, the same strophe, mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. Like a Bob Dylan song, mm-hmm. like Mr. Tambourine <laughs> right. Man. It's mm-hmm. a true ballad. It tells a story. Usually of some well-known person. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy, and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. Mm-hmm. So then, then you get to... Felice and Boodle O'Brien, and you're going to, uh, uh, let's see, what am I going to do? Because I love the Everly Brothers, and I love their writing. Um, let's see. Um, dream, 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 when I need you in the night. Hold me tight whenever I want you. All I have to do is dream. Dream, dream, dream. Then there's a second verse. Arms and I need you. With all your charms. And all your charms whenever I I can make you mine, taste your lips of lime, anytime, anytime, night or day. Only trouble is, gee whiz, I'm dreaming my life away. Oh, I need you so that I could Evokes Buddy Holly to me. Yeah, I feel Buddy Holly very strongly coming through there. But the bridge—the um, bridge—is the opportunity also yeah. to surprise us. Like Simon's still crazy. So that song sets up. You know, I'm, I met my old lover on the street one day. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And then you suddenly come to four in the morning, tapped out. You know, that's like a huge melodic payoff. 
That, but yeah. melodically, that's a shock. You know, the yeah. music goes way up. It departs totally from the melody. And Simon's kind of saying, "You thought you knew what this song was." Well, he's but, a good know. composer. He is, yeah. And the the idea of saddling a lyric with a composition mm-hmm. that is perfect for that lyric mm-hmm. is underestimated. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As a as a trick, yeah, because it's it's quite a trick. Mm-hmm. He did that album one trick pony, mm-hmm. and I always thought that that's what the trick was, because his melodies and lyrics are sublime mm-hmm. when they're hooked up. Like I did on the on the piano, mm-hmm. I uh, you did old French, did, right? Um, Satie, Ravel, yeah, I mean, I mean, Debussy. It's, it's, I think he's listening to those composition. those composers as he's writing that song. So that that was one of my one yeah. of my things I wanted to say. Pay attention because these guys weren't just you know they right. weren't just schmoes. No, you know. And 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 like the French impressionist composers like Satie, he gets a lot out of just yeah, a couple of notes. Very minimalist. Yeah, lovely treatment. Yeah. And I and I. I'm, I'm saying a lovely treatment of his own lyrics. Mm-hmm. That can be a, an elusive thing. Right. We'll take a little break here and be right back with more of Jimmy Webb. Let's go out with Paul Simon's Still Crazy After All These Years. I met my old lover on the street last night. She seemed so glad to see me. I just smiled. We talked about some old times And we drank ourselves some beers Still crazy after all these years Oh, still crazy after all these years I'm not the kind of man Who tends to socialize Seem to lean on old familiar ways And I ain't no fool for love Christian, no, no, no Christian, no Teardrops from We're back. You're listening to a show we recorded uh, over the course of a day with Jimmy Webb, one of the great songwriters of the American rock and pop era, the man who gave us Wichita Lineman, by the time I get to Phoenix, Up, Up, and Away, MacArthur Park. This is an unusual project for us. You're listening to the second of two parts. So here's more of Jimmy Webb. Take it slow And don't listen 
You're probably tired of talking about MacArthur Park. But, you know, you were just talking a few seconds ago about the way people would talk about popular music of the 60s and 70s as though it were this disposable thing. MacArthur Park feels like a conscious effort to write something that was not easily dismissible in that way, something that felt classical in composition. What, what were you thinking about while you were doing I was that? really on a writing assignment for Bones Howe, who mm. was uh, producing the Association. Right. And the Association were really one of my favorite bands. Mm -hmm. Bones said to me, I'm doing the Association, and he says, I'm wondering, could you, he and I had a side project going with the Fifth Dimension, mm -hmm. who were pretty hot that at the time, if you could write something in the rock vein, mm -hmm. but with classical movements. Mm -hmm. And I said, you came to the right place. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I'd like to mm -hmm. do. And I was, I was listening to Tommy. You had that so yellow. I was, I, was, I, was, I was fascinated mm -hmm. with that. And I had this nine-foot grand. Yeah. And, I, and I had George Martin. Mm -hmm. to, you know, I had the Beatles and Brian Wilson, Pet mm -hmm. Sound. Yeah. And I jumped in with both feet, and I just tried to create a, a contemporary piece that still had some of the charm mm -hmm. and some of the technique. Uh, Learn Leonard Bernstein called them transformational elements. Mm. So like, for instance, in MacArthur Park, the melody starts uh, in the harpsichord and it goes When it gets to the melody, that's retrograde. That's a transformational element. I, it was just ecstatic to get to do this yeah. for you know, like a 60, 70 piece orchestra. Mm -hmm. And we were working with the wrecking crew and they, they cut the, the entire rhythm track on the first or second pass. So here it is. And the association didn't want it. Did they ever say later, we made a mistake? Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. In fact, they didn't make a mistake. Something got started in the, the, the gossip mill mm. about, about them not wanting to do their song. But the mm. truth was that we were uh, analog, mm -hmm. and we could only get a certain amount of music on one of those big mm -hmm. records. And they were almost, they were almost through with their album. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like the moon program. Mm -hmm. He said, it was it was like well yeah we could do it but we're gonna have to do this we're gonna have to build one of these and it turned into into like a, mm -hmm. a, a technical exercise can we get this much sound mm -hmm. on the album they decided they couldn't do it it hurt it hurt me because I you know I I thought this is a hit this is out of the park uh, the the story that people like to tell which actually is true is that Bones House said to them well, blah, 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 you need to take some songs off because you need to do this song, this mm -hmm. song. 
is going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. And there was some discussion, and they decided, well, they weren't gonna, I guess they didn't have a room for it or weren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. To make a long story short, he said, the day this record goes number one, I'm no longer your producer. Mm -hmm. And it went number one in the UK. Yeah. And it was number two here, but it was number one in the UK twice, three mm -hmm. times. And then it was number one here with... Uh, Donna Summer. Yes. In 78. I love, I love her version. Yeah. I, I love it too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they got, you know, they lost their producer already. He quit. Because mm -hmm. he's seething. You know, he sees this record is just yeah. <laughs> taking off in all kinds of different directions. And it opens, it's opened a lot of doors. You mm -hmm. can change things. Yeah. You could even change the playlist. Yep. Because they were stolid. Then. They were, they, they were uh, I'm talking about top 40 mm -hmm. venues. Like they were, they were like not going to play that. Right. And it was getting a lot of underground mm -hmm. exposure. All the long records, the doors, the mm -hmm. long like my fire, all those records were being played underground. Yeah. So they I was very very lucky. They went on MacArthur Park because mm -hmm. it gave them something long to play. Yep. I remember when Ron Jacobs called me from 93KHJ one afternoon. Uh, and he said, congratulations. He says, you know, we love MacArthur Park here at 93KHJ, number one station in the country. Mm. He said, well, we need an edited version. We can't play <laughs> seven minutes and 21 seconds. And I said, can I call you back on that? Mm. So I sat with my, go my good friend, the devil, for a while. And um, the, we decided that we didn't want to edit it. Mm-hmm. So we called back over there and uh, said, Ron, we love you. Here's to uh, KMEN, San Bernardino. We love 93KHJ. We can't edit it. It'll change it. It'll, you know what it'll do? Mm -hmm. It'll turn it into an ordinary re a record. It'll be a record, yeah. That We have only, only time to do one mm -hmm. sort of chunk, record-sized chunk. Yeah. And they, so you know they want like three minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, we refused them. Mm -hmm. And a week later, 93KHJ went on it. And it stayed on the playlist for like 18 weeks or something like that. So I have to, I'm going to make you tell the one, only one Jimmy Webb classic anecdote for this show. And the one I want you to tell is you're driving in Ireland through the night with Richard Harris. And you come upon... A whiskey factory. You got this story? Yeah. Okay, tell that story. Well, it's early in the morning. It's about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. We're trying to make our way from the beautiful Shannon River Valley, mm -hmm. like across the hills to Dublin itself. And we run across a factory going great guns, belching clouds of smoke, little tractors running everywhere, and Horns honking, trucks pulling in and out, 
this is a Sunday night in the <laughs> middle of Ireland. <laughs> Nothing is happening. But here's this. It looks like a military installation. And as we pull up to the main gates, a, a great big truck pulls out in front of, the, of our car, and it's going down this little tiny back road. And I look up, and I said, Richard, is that what I think it is? I said, that looks like, and he said, whiskey, Jimmy Webb. It's whiskey. And we rode along there in the dark, just meditating on that glorious, shining amber fluid. And um, I said, Dick, do you think you could ever drink all the whiskey on that truck? And he got, I got this sly look about him, and he said, ah, no, Jimmy Webb, but I got him working nights. <laughs> Love that story. Fred liked that story. I heard Fred laughing. I could hear Fred laughing over there. Uh, you got Fred, got to laugh out of Fred. That's not easy to do. Near the end of the interview, one of the things that I casually and maybe unthinkingly suggested was that Jimmy play for me my favorite song that he's ever written, which is called The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. And Jimmy's kind of taken the summer off from playing and singing. His piano playing wasn't in the shape that he wants it to be in. Uh, he considers himself rightfully uh, a very, very good piano player. And so what happened was he started to have a lot of trouble playing this song up to his standards. And he would start and he would stop and he would start and he would stop and he would make a horrible face because he would so be so mad at himself. And then he would look around to the engineer and producer Fred Guarino as if, well, you can fix this all up later, which was not going to happen. And at a certain point, because he was really struggling with it, and I was feeling kind of bad for having asked for it in the first place, I, I suggested, you know, we don't have to do this. We could end this some other way. And he sort of looked at me and he shook his head and he went back to this. And, you know, in a way that I found very touching, I thought he is going to play this damn song for me if it takes him three hours of trying to do it. He's going to play this song for me uh, no matter what the cost to him is. And I'm thinking, you know, and I'm sort of, you know, I'm just nobody. He's Jimmy Webb, you know, <laughs> but he's going to do this thing for me. I, I did find myself a little moved by the incredible effort. You're going to hear some of that incredible effort. This may not be the most beautiful version of this song you ever heard, but it is the most heartfelt I've ever heard anyway. So back to the action. So we've been talking a long time here. I, I don't, and I feel like I have you prisoner for a while, but I want, don't want to keep you prisoner here forever. But I do want you, I want to at least hear, because I have Jimmy Webb in my presence at a piano, yeah. I want to take advantage of that. I, my favorite song really is uh, of yours, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. I think it's an right. amazing song. So before you play, do you want to say anything about how you thought this through? Did an did image come to you? It's well, a title it's, of a book, right? It's, it's uh, I used to read a lot of science fiction when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. I, um, my educators were Robert A. Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, Frederick Pohl, uh, Judith Merrill, Merrill, I think her name was, mm -hmm. did all the, these anthologies. Yeah. And, and The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is a novelette that um, Robert A. Heinlein wrote. A lot of his stuff was almost juvenile. It mm -hmm. was like, it was about rocket ships and right. ray guns and things like that. This little novelette was different yeah. because it put forth political ideas. Mm -hmm. And one of, one of the ideas was that 
before you could be a citizen, you would have to do your military service. Mm -hmm. There was no, uh, there would be no conscript conscription as we know it, mm -hmm. which really ends up with the poor and the disenfranchised really bearing most of the b yeah. military burden. But he he saw this. He saw this, and and um, they've set set it in the future. And all I knew is I loved that title. Yeah. It's just like still crazy after all these years. Yeah. The moon is ours, mistress. I'm going to write that song mm. one of these days. This is my second Robert Heinlein conversation in two days. <laughs> Seriously, I used the word I used the word grok, G R O K. Yeah, yeah. In print the other day, and somebody yeah. asked me, "What does that mean? Is that <laughs> does that a typo?" No. I said, "No, no. it's grok. Come I on. grok. Yeah, I, I grok. 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 You grok what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So here we go. The moon is a harsh mistress. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you you got to sing for your supper now. Really, this is a folk song. Mm. This is like a this is me thinking about folk songs in the future. Well, you did write a very hard thing to play. You, you can't blame the composer because he's sitting here. Yeah, it's not really that hard to play. It's just me taking the summer off. Ah. And... Have you done anything to this piano? No. <laughs> hmm. You don't have to do this. I'll do it. All right. I'll get it in a minute. Mm -hmm. I've got it in the wrong key, so I'm going I'm to put it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But I know what I'm missing. I'm, I know what I'm missing. I'm missing my, my, uh, my headphones. It's a hard, hard note. See her how she flies Golden sail across the sky enough to touch but careful if you try though she looks as warm as gold the moon's a harsh mistress the moon so cold Once the sun did shine Good Lord it felt so fine The moon of phantom rose Through the mountains and the pines And then the darkness fell 
That's just an incredibly wrenching rendition. Uh, but we've got more to talk to Jimmy Webb about. He thought he was done. It turned out he wasn't. You'll find out why in the next segment. Close your eyes, my pretty child. The night is dark and the wind is wild. I will stand beside your There's nothing you need Fear or dread You can sleep now few quick things. First of all, this is the second of two parts, and we will link to the first part in, in the webpage for this episode. Second of all, thanks to producer Jonathan McNichol, and incredible thanks to Betsy Kaplan, the producer who arranged this and then did uh, just an, a heroic job editing this material. So it was sort of the end of the day. I mean, Jimmy was pretty clearly tired. He said so. Uh, he thought he was done. I thought he was done. And then his wife, the wonderful Laura Savini, came in and asked him to talk about one more thing that she thought was very important. And he said yes. And I think that's Jimmy Webb, you know. So the thread that goes through my interview with Jimmy is his tenacity to make the music that still means a lot to so many people, even when he's tired and frustrated. So we thought we were done and we weren't. And instead, we got this. So what do you what do you say? You tired now? I'm tired. You're tired. OK, we're done then. OK, thanks. Yeah. 
God, man, I have to start singing every day. You got, you got to do it. And that is the way the voices work, I think. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm noticing that that key, you know, and I hate to start doing this, and most, but, but most of my friends don't. Mm-hmm. And that is start dropping things a yep. whole step. Yep. I mean, Very few will do it. Right. McCartney stays in a lot of his old keys. He seems to still have a lot of those high notes. In a way, I think it's a mistake because I, I think it's letting go of something that you, that you shouldn't be letting go of. Right. You should be fighting a little harder to keep that. Yeah. Can you talk about one more thing, you two? Yes. I love the song Highwayman and what it's about, and mm. I love that it was just redone by the, by high, the high woman. woman. Yeah, high women, yeah. But I and I'm I'm producing where I don't belong. So no, I this is it's a this is a family affair here. <laughs> you want to do ask me about it? All right. So um, okay. So actually, there, we should say there's a, new, a fairly new group out called the High Women. Uh, they seem to have taken that title from one of your most favorite songs, fam- one of your most famous songs, um, "High Women." So, first, say a little bit about that. This is a song where you're trying to do something. I think with the just the way you know Springsteen has a new album out that's Western music. You're yeah. trying to do something with Western music. Well, it was uh, not particularly a country song. Mm-hmm. It ended up in the hands of. Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash, and Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it arrived there because it was hand-carried down there by Glenn Campbell. Mm-hmm. He played it for them and said, there's four of you guys and there's four verses. And you mm-hmm. guys should go. Well, it was a big, big record. Yeah. It was a huge record for them. And it's been recorded by a, an amazing group of yep. people. Uh, but back in the 80s, when it was on the charts, women started calling almost immediately mm-hmm. and saying, do you have the, the, the female, the gender version mm-hmm. for, like, for a woman to sing it? No, not really. Jane Oliver was one of the singers mm. who came to me and specifically wanted to do that song. And I just didn't have anything on mm-hmm. that because it's a testosterone-charged <laughs> thing about being a damn builder, you know? Um, on the wild Colorado. <laughs> you know, it's a Waylon Jennings song, what it is. Um, <clears throat> but it was, it had an in, interesting subplot in that it was talking about a transfer of souls. Mm-hmm. It was talking about, it was talking about rein, being rein, reincarnated in various guises. And yet something in that person still lived on Mm -hmm. in people who came after that person. Mm. Almost a science fiction idea. Yeah. I was a sailor and I was born upon the tide and with the sea I did abide I sailed a scooter around the home to Mexico I went aloft to furl the mainsail in a And when the yards broke off, they say that I got killed. I'm living still. So uh, I, I got a, a Grammy, not bragging, but I got a Grammy that year for best 
country song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to Waylon about that one day in the control room and saying, you know, I got this award. He said, what was that? And I said, well, it was it was a Grammy. And he said, what for? <laughs> and I said, well, it was for best country song. Mm-hmm. And he said, which country was that? <laughs> so... Uh, but this new group has Brandy Carl. So well, talk talk well, about somebody well, who sings at the well, top of her range well. too. Uh, Amanda Amanda Shires and Natalie Hemby. They're the they're the high, wi- and, high women. And occasionally, I think Cheryl Crow's in mm. part of that. And it's uh, it's almost as though I've gone full circle with that song. Now I'm living in another world where women are singing this song. <laughs> And writing their own lyrics, by the way, all, yeah. the, all they wrote their lyrics, mm-hmm. and their lyrics are fantastic. They're mm-hmm. about people trying to get across the border, mm-hmm. uh, women particularly, women trying to get through this immigration nightmare, and um, it just the rel- the fact that the song still persists in having relevancy is amazing and edifying. You know, it ma- it makes me feel so fantastic yeah. to to write a song and, and and thirty years on, you know, have it have it still mean something to someone. Mm-hmm. I was a high woman and a mother from my youth. For my children, I did what I had to do. My family left Honduras when they killed the Sandinistas. We followed our coyote through the dust of Mexico Every one of them except for me survived And I am still alive I was a healer I was gifted as a girl And um, it, it, it's a persistent song It's, it's, it's going to go you know the songs about persistence, about mm-hmm. refusing to to acquiesce to yeah. death, and the song is the same way in the real world. It refuses to die. It's going to go go on and live another life mm-hmm. now. Yeah, well, that's, so um, it's there's some interesting cross currents to it. That's part of the wonder of all this. Same with Wichita Lineman, which keeps getting reborn. It's now a jazz standard. Cassandra Wilson does it. Shannon yeah. Butcher does it. So Pat Metheny did a beautiful yeah. job. But. So thirty years from now, people are going to be doing something else with these, this music. And thirty years after that, and we're going to be gone at a certain point, you and I, and this music is still going we to keep are? going. Yeah, it's oh. like even horses, even horses die. <laughs> Everybody dies, you know. And but it's still going. To, that's got to be a good feeling, you know that. 30 years, 30 years, 30 years. It's still going to be happening. If there's people on earth, they're yeah. going to be singing some well, of these songs. thank you for saying that. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't... Uh, songwriters never rely on things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for uh, to sustain ourselves. You know, yeah. I'm always working. I'm always touring. I'm always writing. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's all I can see for me in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as I can tour... As long as I can evoke a response, as as, uh, as long as people will come out and fill a 400-seater, mm-hmm. I'll be there, folks. Right. Meet yeah. me at the, you know, <laughs> at, meet the Kate. Me at the at the Kate. Yeah. I'll be there. All right, thanks, Jimmy Webb. All right, all right. You gave it. You gave it everything. Okay. 
Yeah. 